Yes, and with that, we recognize another uh, very, very um, famous by now and very important guest, um, the leader of the um, Georgian Legion, Mamuka Mamulashvili. And uh, thank you very much for joining us today. How are you today? Hello, guys. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. It is uh, it is a privilege having you with us. Uh, you have come to fame with the Georgian Legion since the start of the war in 2014-15, and then uh, since the beginning of the year uh, with your troop. Uh, maybe you can give us a quick intro as to um, who and what are you, and uh, why is the Georgian Legion in Ukraine? Let me say a couple of words about Georgian Legion briefly. Georgian Legion was a volunteer from formation from the very beginning. I created Georgian Legion in 2014. And from 2014, we are uh, doing special operations on occupied territories of Ukraine. So today, Georgian Legion is the biggest foreign formation within the Ukrainian army. There are more than 32 different nationalities serving in the Georgian Legion. And we're all doing the same job. We're helping Ukrainians to help uh, to defend democracy and freedom. And you are a light infantry group focused on special operations, oh. recce and the likes. Uh, yes, we are special operators. We have squads. Uh, we are deconcentrated on the whole front line and we're working on every direction where our operators are needed. Okay. And, and just uh, right at the beginning, we just want to clear the air. We've discussed it uh, already once before. There have been allegations and accusations against, especially you uh, as a prominent feature in mm -hmm. the fight uh, for Ukraine, and that you were not to follow the laws of armed conflict. Is that by any means true? Oh, you know, actually, Russians are doing a propaganda job against us from 2014. So it did not surprise me at all. They always uh, change. Uh, it was my only interview probably with a Russian journalist. Uh, so they're trying to change uh, every word uh, I say. Uh, but the thing is that in, in the Russian interview, I said that we are not taking ourselves, the captives, giving it to special services of Ukrainians, but they cut it off, cut out of the video. So, you know, actually nothing surprises me. They made four videos to discredit Georgian Legion during these eight years. So they're going on with their propaganda. But in my opinion, just no one believes them anymore. But your troops are actually conducting um, appropriate training in that regard, correct? Of course, we even uh, are the only actually volunteer battalion that signed a memorandum with Geneva call. So, you know, our guys are uh, educated, first of all. Our guys uh, know the rules of the war and they're aware of the uh, Geneva Convention. So, uh, to accuse us in uh, counteracting uh, Geneva Convention, it's, uh, it is at least stupid from Russians. But, you know, we can expect anything from them now. So, um, Mamuka, just to clarify yeah. completely for everyone who might have not been listening carefully, what was yeah. your comment on that podcast, on that interview oh, about not just, taking prisoners? It is, it is Russian propaganda that uh, says that we're not taking prisoners and they cut off the part where I say that we're giving those guys 
uh, to Ukrainian special services who have to take care of the captives. So that was it. Thank you so Maybe much. We should, clarify, we should clarify this, Doman. This is the podcast or video podcast, Russians with an Attitude, sponsored by Russians in America who spend a lot of money to ensure that their voices are heard, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what, what is happening. It is not the first time that they're doing that. So they're showing uh, a video where some guys kill captives, or I don't even know if they were captives. And uh, they say that it's Georgian Legion killing captives. It's, you know, stupid. There is not even a Georgian voice in a video. Nobody talks in a Georgian, you know. So it was, you know, quite stupidly done as, uh, you know, videos that they did before. There are four documentaries made about Georgian Legion that uh, FSB did. They are uh, mostly similar. They have actors who are uh, saying that they are snipers of Georgian Legions who were shooting Maidan. You can see it was done on uh, Italian television. So, you know, it's quite quite interesting to see how Russians are uh, changing facts. So last night here on the space, uh, we were joined by a major from the Ukrainian 17th Armored Brigade. And one of the things he said really stuck in my mind is kind of along these lines. He said, Russians fight us to demonstrate that we are like them. And we fight to demonstrate that we are not like them. And it is really crucial that everyone who supports and fights for Ukraine always has the high moral ground. And that upstanding behavior really galvanizes the world in support of Ukraine as well. And demonstrating that Russia can never make the good people of the world turn into the monsters like they are. In that context, right, what training do you ensure that all of your legionnaires go to with regards to the law of armed conflict, the laws of war, including the Geneva Conventions, to make sure that nothing untoward ever occurs? Oh, Okay, that's why I mentioned from the very beginning that in a Georgian Legion we have uh, educated uh, men serving uh, with us. Uh, these are professionals that have been serving in uh, different missions like, like Afghanistan, Iraq. Uh, they were fighting against Russian aggression in Georgia. Most of them have uh, high education, uh, bachelor or master. They are aware of uh, Geneva Convention and the first... Uh, uh, interview when they are interviewed before getting in the Georgian Legion, uh, they have to be sure to know convention. So uh, we know the rules, and uh, we are not Russians uh, to um, to to act the same as Russians do. Thank you, Mamuka. Um, I'll pass it off to Axel in a moment, so you can discuss all of your valuable and crucial work that you've been doing in Ukraine since 2013, but I'll ask one more general question first. So obviously you've seen a lot of support from across the world, both in traditional media and crucially from social media, you know, with uh, NAFO at the forefront of that. Um, however, as you said previously, you were heavily targeted by pro-Russian outlets and straight out Kremlin propaganda. Why do you think that you have been you know, almost singled out by the Russian media. Why have you, the Georgian Legion, been particularly heavily targeted uh, by the Russian propaganda? Uh, okay, as I mentioned uh, previously, Georgian Legion is the biggest foreign formation. Georgian Legion is a combination of the experience of different armies. 
So we know how to use this experience against Russia. By today, average statistics says that we are doing the best job among all the brigades in the Ukrainian army. So uh, it's you know clear that Russians are targeting us, and uh, ideologically they don't want any foreigner to help Ukrainians. They don't want a formation. Uh, the idea of creating of Georgian Legion was to show everybody how many different countries and different flags are supporting Ukraine. So of course uh, it's against their ideology. It's against Sovietic ideology, and they wanted to break it down. So all these eight years were permanently attacked by Russia, uh, not only, you know, by media, uh, also physically. I've been poisoned in Ukraine two times and I've been shot two times. So, you know, they're trying to discredit us. They're trying to kill us. But, you know, that's what what Georgian Legion is. We are stronger. We are smarter and we are we have uh, bigger hearts. Well, you certainly have that heart proven out already from a very early age. Um, maybe you can share a little bit as to how you had to develop that stoicism and that resilience when you were captured at a very early age in the first war you ever served in. Okay, actually, you know, um, the history of my family is uh, tightly, you know, um, uh, in a fight against uh, Russia, against Russian imperialism and against Russian aggression in Georgia. All my family uh, was uh, killed in uh, 1921 by Russians. So, no, no, my father was teaching me that the only enemy that we have are Russians. Uh, the only enemy that we have is Russian ideology. Uh, so when I was 14, he took me... Uh, Fortunately, Georgia had no... Uh, you had very few weapons, very few... Uh, no, no, it's not, about, it's not about weapons. Georgia had no media space, you know, to talk what was going on in the 90s in Georgia. Of so, course. So uh, my father took me to the war to take part in the military operations when I was 14. So after a year of a fight, we got uh, to Russian captivity. Stayed in the Russian captivity for three months, and my father stayed there more than two years and uh, I clearly understood when I was 14 what is the real face of Russia these are those are people without religion those are people without any uh, morale uh, these guys uh, are ready to kill children women uh, rape to steal to rob uh, that ideology and that's the ideology of the whole nation it's not Putin who does it. It's, oh, you know, it's in their blood. So uh, that's what I faced when I, when I was 14. And uh, uh, after my 14, I understood that I have to dedicate my life to fight against this evil. Well, with the name Surab, um, you have to, don't you? Yes, my father's name was Rab. He recently died, unfortunately. He was fighting in Ukraine for three years uh, from 2015 to 2018. He was fighting on the front lines together with me in a Georgian legion. Uh, he was already 70 years old. Uh, he 
got diabetes in Ukraine and uh, several months ago he died in Georgia. Uh, and he taught me that uh, Russians have nothing in their hearts. When you started fighting by forming the Georgian Legion at the beginning of the invasion, how were you received, given the fact that the Ukrainians had fought, as very few people did with the Georgians before, how were you received, how were your troops received in Ukraine? You know, uh, how I, I, I would like to tell you the story of the Georgian Legion, how uh, I started it, you know. Uh, the only... Uh, the word Ukrainian associated me only with 90s. Ukrainians were the only volunteers who came to Georgia to fight for Georgia's sovereignty and freedom. So when I heard that something was going on in Ukraine and Ukraine needs help, you know, it was an immediate decision that we have to be there and we have to help them. So that was the beginning of Georgian Legion. My father was also an, uh, was an ideologist of the Georgian Legion, so... Uh, he approved that I have to go to Ukraine and help Ukrainians uh, to, find, to fight against this evil that they did not know what, what it is. And Georgians, uh, you know, faced, Georgians were the uh, first, was the first country who faced Russian aggression after the collapse of former Soviet Union. So, uh, you know, we, we, we already knew what Russians were going to do in Ukraine. And we were already professional soldiers who came to Ukraine and who started training them right on the front lines. We were participating in military missions and we were <clears throat> giving them training uh, when we had a free time. So, you know, it was a very principled decision to be in Ukraine and to help them. It, were, it was uh, uh, 10 Georgians from the very beginning who started actually a Georgian region. How quickly did the uh, squad grow, grow? I mean, I understand that uh, it took a bit of time, but still, the seemingly was an influx of Georgians, and uh, they proved to be val I mean, they proved their valor in battle. You had a number of very memorable engagements. Maybe you can talk about this because you have been given the medal for sacrifice and love for Ukraine, so yeah. and the order for courage. So. Maybe you can talk about what happened in those... You years. know, uh, Ukrainians themselves noticed that we are very effective. Um, actually, the Georgian Legion started growing up very quickly, and mostly we were getting uh, Georgians from Georgia, because, you know, Georgians were uh, aware of uh, what uh, Ukraine is facing. So, uh, dynamically, it started to grow in, two in 2016, when uh, the, the law was signed to integrate uh, foreigners, foreign fighters into the Ukrainian army, we were the first unit to sign a contract with the Ukrainian army. We were already a, a battalion that signed the contract. And uh, after 2016, uh, many soldiers from different countries started joining us. First three were Americans. You know, we had already a good reputation. We, everybody knew our professionalism. We were doing a very good job on the front lines. And all the foreigners who were coming to Ukraine, they were, all of them were trying to join Georgian Legion, first of all. So 
after 2016, we started engaging more foreigners from different countries like Japan and, you know, even Korea. There were a lot of guys in the Georgian Legion. Uh, what is the average age currently in the Georgian Legion? Average is uh, 35. Uh, we are uh, not taking uh, guys with army experience. We're taking men with uh, combat experience because uh, our special uh, operations need very experienced guy and we don't need any victims among uh, our professionals. So we are minimizing it by taking men with combat experience. Those guys are professionals and each squad in Georgian Legion squad is from 12 to 16 men. Each squad works independently, autonomously with the artillery support. So we are very different from the infantry and we are doing very different job. Of course, I mean, um, we all understand and appreciate the efforts of, uh, say, SOF and uh, recce light infantry um, with, um, say, a different kind of combat approach. Uh, that is that is also what the Russians, I tend to believe, fear the most, and which is why you're so reviled by their media uh, and uh, their agents. Now, you will, of course, acknowledge, I would say, that the attention that you're getting is good for the Georgian Legion, but how does the Georgian Legion fund itself at this more point in time? How can mm. you be provided with the... Consumables, the weapons, the required um, supplies which you need, and oh. what you'll be needing. Okay, so you know the first fundraising we started recently after the twenty fourth of February of this year. Uh, before that, all Georgian Legion were, was supported by civilian volunteers, Ukrainian volunteers, Georgian volunteers. Uh, about weapon, all we need is given by uh, the Minister of Defense because we are a part of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine. So we are supplied by the Ministry of Defense and we have the most modern weapon uh, in the Ukrainian army. When you currently uh, deploy, uh, in what regions in Ukraine would we see you? Actually, Georgian Legion is working on all the front lines right now. We, we are uh, enough now, you know, to cover all the front lines. There are specific uh, missions uh, that uh, infantry cannot do, and Georgian Legion is invited to do it. So uh, we are uh, on most needed places. We have liquid... Uh, we have deleted a lot of uh, high rank uh, Russian officers. That's our main job. Uh, and uh, uh, we, 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 are, call this, we call this reintegrating them into the food chain. Yeah, we, we are sending them where they belong to. So, uh, Georgian Legion is specializing on uh, deleting Russian logistics, high rank officers. And, uh, you know, we are doing the best job, actually. Uh, I uh, cannot open the statistics right now, but uh, recently the statistics were shown to me <clears throat> by Ukrainians, and uh, we are doing a really good job.
we sincerely appreciate this, and as does the whole free world. Now, but uh, in terms of in terms of overall funding, uh, you, you have sufficient funding. The Georgian Legion is capable of attaining all the equipment and its ammunition as it needs, and the Ukrainian government is supporting you. Yes, mainly government is supporting us. So, you know, NAFO is one of the you know best guys who supported us. And it was the, the first uh, fundraising for Georgian Legion. And, you know, those guys did the maximum to help us. And uh, I, I appreciate uh, each and every of them. Those guys are, you know, amazing. They did uh, the greatest job. And uh, uh, they helped us with many specifics that, uh, for example, Ministry of Defense could not give us. So, you know, together we can do a great job. I think there's no such thing as enough press and enough communication in that regard. Now, um, let me trail back to the operations which you've done um, in the early days in 2014-15. If you review what you've seen then, how the Ukrainian army operated, which was still under a Soviet model, under-equipped, and definitely overwhelmed also by electronic warfare of the Russian army, you are now working in close collaboration with them. Um, what kind of changes have you observed? You know, uh, that's what we were going to share with Ukrainians in 2014, because Georgian army has already worked with uh, NATO instructors. Georgian army has already been instructed, and uh, Georgian army has already been the best army in uh, former Soviet Union space. So the 10 officers that I brought with me, were very efficient. They did um, a good job with militia battalions, with different brigades that we were working with, and uh, we were sharing the information of the Russian fight uh, style, barbarian fight style, but it is uh, what Russia is. So, you know, uh, today, uh, Ukrainian army transformed into one of the most one of the best armies because uh, it has eight years of experience in in a combat. The difference uh, in in Georgian Legion is that uh, we have a lot of different countries, a lot of the experience of different armies in a Georgian Legion, and the combination of those uh, experiences of different armies makes Georgian Legion what it is. And. Um- are you very focused on uh, just actually doing the special operations or do you also conduct uh, urban warfare uh, operations when c- carrying out those special operations? And if so, what kind of mortar systems and the likes are you be using? Uh, we are using mortars 120 millimeters, uh, but we are not specialized only on special operations. Uh, uh, there is uh, a big uh, already brigade that is... Uh, doing special operations and there are there is Georgian Legion that is working with brigades as an infantry so less experienced guys uh, we are all uh, we are sending uh, each person uh, according to his experience so there are some infantry guys serving uh, with uh, brigades there are uh, the biggest group is uh, of special operators and uh, Everybody is doing uh, the job uh, that he's uh, what he is good for. We have an apart team of instructors who are still instructing uh, 
territorial defense battalions, police battalions, and you know um, different you know battalions that were creating created recently volunteer battalions. Um, how sizable are your battalions, um, roughly? Just to, oh, to roughly. Get a gauge, because we we know the ZSU battalions. Just to get so that we get a better handle on it. Okay, for the biggest uh, special operators team is more than thousand two hundred men. Uh, if we add uh, the guys on uh, that are in different brigades, we uh, we can get to more than two thousand men right now. That requires a lot of officers and uh, NCOs, non-commissioned officers on your part. You have trained a lot of people, it seems. Uh, those guys are already trained. Uh, we are taking uh, officers from Georgia who are or- already trained, who took part in uh, in a fight against Russia in 2008 in Georgia, in 90s uh, against Russia. And uh, those guys are experienced. Uh, they just add I some more... I understand. I didn't mean that you had to send them to officer school or to relax. I thought that in terms of integration into your style of fighting, into your style of organization, so uh, yeah. it's because it's quite an achievement. Uh, the thing is that um, Georgian uh, soldiers who are coming from Georgia and Westerners have uh, the similar uh, similar level of experience because they both participated in Iraqi mission or Afghanistan mission, and they have already worked together. So it's uh, easy to set up them working uh, as one squad. Uh, most of Georgians speak English, so they can easily communicate and um, they can easily share what they know. It's interesting that we've seen a lot of videos right from the beginning already where essentially Georgian soldiers were keeping their own cultures, uh, culture up and singing, just like uh, our Ukrainian friends have done the very same thing. And um, many people were quite astonished as to how the cohesion of the unit was uh, part of its culture. And I tend to say this on this space all the time, that everything is downstream from culture. It seems that you've brought uh, the culture of the warriors of Georgia to Ukraine to support freedom. And everybody should be very happy that you've done that. Thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I hope we're doing a good job and uh, I hope Ukraine <clears throat> will get its freedom very soon. How do you, if I may ask this, I mean, from your position as, I mean, obviously fighting in a different environment and not being on the general staff, but how do you view the uh, state of play today, recent, you know, implementation of uh, long-range artillery, HIMARS and the likes, but uh, the different uh, phases in the Northeast, uh, the view as to Kupiansk and cutting off the supply road to the Izium and the completely different, sometimes like World War One battle in uh, in uh, the Donbass, then the southeastern and the southern flank. How do you view this? You know, uh, well, today we see um, uh, artillery fights actually on the front line. Uh, we are on the front line right now, by the way. Uh, what we see is mostly artillery fights and uh, uh, involvement of infantry and uh, uh, even special operators is minimized. Uh, due to heavy artillery shelling. So uh, we need more equipment. We need more uh, MLRS systems, you know, to uh, defeat Russians. And I want to, uh, to repeal to politicians, you know, 
Ukraine should not be going through bureaucracy. Ukraine should receive uh, the weapon of freedom uh, because it deserves it. And uh, each hour of uh, uh, delay uh, causes thousands of civilian uh, deaths. So we need uh, MLRS systems and we need them to be delivered fast to see the real changes on the front line. Only infantry cannot do a big job. Yeah, you don't see argument for me in that regard. But how do you see the uh, red state of readiness of the Ukrainian forces? And whilst this equipment is being delivered seemingly gradually, but it's being delivered, how do you see the state of readiness for the Ukrainian forces to counterattack? Oh, actually, the morale is high. Ukrainians are professionally ready as soldiers. And uh, as I mentioned, we need more equipment. We need more systems to start working. Uh, the MLRS systems that are working now, uh, near to us now, uh, they're not enough. They're far not enough. And uh, we have enough professionals to work with them. But we have no equipment. So, you know, we're waiting for it. The constant waiting, not for Santa Claus, but for the Europeans to make their mind up. It is astonishing. Uh, we are collecting a lot of questions at this moment. And if you give me a second, I'll try to get up our friend Francis, who's been a supporter of NAFO from the very beginning. Let me try to get him here because you've just highlighted how important it is to um, have what I would call social media impact in order to get the message home. Because the message you just made, you brought forward, is yet again the same as we've been actually doing on this space since the very day of the invasion. And that is that Ukraine should be provided with each and every level of support possible. If we have it, we should ship it. If we can make it, we should produce it. And if Ukraine needs it, we shall get it to it. So with that, I would like to open the floor. We have a number of people. And uh, Francis, our colleague, who's a very dear friend and a partner in crime here in the Maria Report. Francis, you've been with NAFO for the very beginning in support of the Georgian Legion. Thank you, Axel. And, and sir, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. There are a lot of people in the audience, your supporters you. who have come here um, specifically to, to hear you talk. And I think you know that there's one thing in particular a lot of your supporters have been waiting for, which is the release of the forbidden Kachapudi recipe. Um, and, I, and I wonder if, <laughs> is, is there some fundraising target that we need to meet for that uh, infamous recipe to be released? Uh, hi, uh, I'm Reshet. I'm the vice commander of PsyOps. So let's let's make it uh, a thousand, a hundred thousand, and then we'll reveal the recipe. But it's highly classified, so we, we need much, much more attention on the media because media attention is is a very needed resource. Like the commander said back in the in the 2008, what Georgia lacked is the the attention from the media and the spread of information. And luckily, we have, we have, we have received the support of NAFO, and its extension is not negotiable. So we we need to grow much more and much, much 
in a, in a much faster pace. That's when the Hachapuri recipe will be revealed. We can do that, 100,000, no problem. And, and I know that your supporters here would like to hear a little bit about um, what the support has enabled you to, to accomplish within the Legion, what difference that's made for you. Fundraising? Ah, yeah, it, it, it helped us, you know, to get whatever we cannot get from the Ministry of Defense, and we really appreciate it. It's so specific, so I don't want to um, announce, actually, but uh, the thing is that uh, those guys and you guys did a great job for us. Yes, uh, like the commander is saying, there are two ways of getting stuff. The the first way is getting stuff from the bottom to the t- from the top to bottom, which is uh, not always the fastest way. And the second way is getting stuff from the bottom to 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 the top. That that that's where NAFO really helped us because for whatever we have asked, and I remember we asked for the plates, and uh, we have received them, and we have already saved countless lives just by enabling the fighters to carry a lighter plates which which are crucial in special operations so all the stuff that we can get in the fastest possible way enables us to to operate on on much higher level compared to compared to when we just wait for for the stuff to reach us from volunteers and other organizations because from from the top to bottom it's much 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 slower that's why we would really like to appreciate all and each and every single one of you guys who is fighting this informational front. Let's keep the fire burning. Absolutely. And you can count on us to continue supporting you right until that day of final victory. Thank, Thank you. you back to you, Axel. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we had a question from Craig before in this film. Craig? Yeah. Thanks, Axel. Um, first, uh, I just wanted to thank you for your service to what you're doing. Um, it's one thing to come onto a to a social media site and, and talk amongst friends. It's quite another uh, world you have to go back to than most of us. So uh, it's important to recognize that. And I guess my question to be direct is, you know, without getting too far into the weeds in terms of, you know, numbers available, combat people, right, that sort of thing. I kind of want to talk more in terms of just volume, right? Because you said that you need equipment, you need more equipment. What would sustainability look for for a unit of your size, whatever size that may be, right? Do you need extra RPGs, assault rifles, right? What What's the biggest efficiency? Okay, so for our specifics right now, we need more mortars, 120 millimeter mortars that are uh, very important for us because each, as I mentioned, each squad works independently and autonomously on the front line. Each squad needs a team uh, with a mortar as an artillery support because we cannot wait for the heavy artillery to react when we are on a mission. So the most needed items now are uh, uh, mortars and uh, uh, shells for, for the mortars. And and you need that on a, I would imagine, on a consistent level, depending on how active you are. Um, I would imagine that it's not just about getting you, like you'd said, the actual water assembly itself, but the, the shells on a consistent basis. Uh, would you say that that's, I know you said you need more, but what you do have, do you find the, you find that you're able to sustain yourselves? I'll put it simply. Yeah. Um... 
Um, at the moment, there there is uh, a level, a point where where we are like running out of shells, but we are getting them. That that's that's the, there is a line. There is a, a line where the speed of supplying us with the with the weapons, including the the mortars and shells, much must be much faster. But we have just, we have just currently. I'll tell you how it is, guys. Uh, we have ten percent of our teams covered by the artillery fire, so uh, we need a lot of more mortars. We need a lot of more shells for each squad who is working on a front line. That is very important uh, for special operators to work. Well, I think we understand. We, that. I think Craig and I do understand this. The question is, what kind of mortar systems are you using? We're using 120 millimeter uh, Czech production mortars and we're using 120 millimeter uh, Sovietic uh, mortars. So we need uh, more precise mortars, like 107 millimeters that are taken out of production in the United States. They're very precise, uh, and or 120 millimeters uh, mortars that are now used in the United States uh, Army. Yeah, thank you for the explanation. I uh, appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you very much, Craig, and uh, thank you, uh, Mamuka. I just want to really quickly ask everyone of the 550 people listening to please go yes. share, share the space, retweet the space, um, tag NAFO, tag NAFO fellas, yes. tell them that we're here with the Georgian Legion, and because I know that one group of fellas really want to hear from the Georgian Legion, uh, so please go ahead and do that. There's also a tweet up on the next, the most recent one, you can, you know, quote tweet that, out, tag NAFO, tag NAFO fellas. We want all the fellas in here, don't we, Georgian Legion? Um, and uh, Maciej, our Polish journalist friend, has a has the next question for you. Yes. Yeah, hi. Do you guys hear me, Maciej? Yeah, good, Maciej. Carry on. Yeah, Mamuka, first of all, thanks so much for joining us. It's a really privilege to have the ability to, to talk to you and all you guys. Uh, I have a gen really general question, and whatever details you can give us, that would be really appreciated, uh, yeah. about the enemy that you're facing, because you had your experiences uh, in the Georgian War, of course, and in since 2014, and this uh, particular reinvasion is, is going on for some months now. So how the nature of the enemy is changing uh, when it comes to equipment of the Russian soldiers and people they pressing into Russian military in terms of their training? Do you see some type of trends um, happening or is this just depending on the unit and the place that, you, that you're facing them? Uh, if you can give us some details on that, that would be really interesting to me. Okay, uh, so um, first of all, thanks to Starlink, we are <laughs> having, you know, live uh, stream today. And thanks to Russian corruption, nothing changes in the Russian army so far. So, you know, I would like to thank all corrupted guys in Russia that are helping us and uh, let them work in Russia, <laughs> you know. Uh, okay, to be serious, guys, the uh, Russian army has not changed since I was 14 and I was in a captivity. 
uh, they're not developing actually. You know, the the only thing is that they don't really uh, care about the lives of their so-called soldiers. They are just throwing them and throwing them, but uh, they're getting less and less every day. Believe me, guys, they are dying thousands of them uh, daily. Uh, so I'm just a soldier, you know, and I like speaking directly. So I'm soldier myself and I'm doing the same job as all the other guys. So, you know, uh, the Russian army has not evaluated. Uh, those guys stayed the same as they were barbarians in, you know, uh, 18th century. Uh, they have very strong propaganda machines that is working against uh, us that worked against Georgia and that is working against Ukraine. That's where they are winning their propaganda machine. That's it. As a force, a Russian uh, army is, uh, I, I don't like underestimating uh, the enemy. I never do it. And that's why uh, we have less uh, losses uh, in our manpower than any other battalion or brigade in Ukraine. But uh, truth is that those guys are not born to fight. Those guys are born to rape. Those guys, the guys are born to steal and, you know, to rob a uh, civilian population. That's the real face of Russia. All right. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. I don't know if Axel or Doman has any uh, questions from our guests that are probably flooding their, their DMs right now. Uh, so yeah, uh, not only that, we also have a Georgian with us, but first we go to Francis. Thank you, Craig. Francis. Thanks, Axel. So the, the Legion was famously involved in um, the fight in Severodonetsk, which from the outside seemed like it was one of the fiercest uh, battles that's happened so far since the 24th February invasion. What can you tell us about that fight? Oh, actually, it was very heavy artillery shelling. Uh, the tactics of Russia includes just deleting everything and then entering the town, village, or a city. So that's what they did in Severodonetsk. They just ruined everything, killed civilian population. We tried to save as many lives as we could, but we are just soldiers. We are not uh, magicians. So uh, we did maximum. We... Uh, liquidated a lot of officers in Severodonetsk, but the thing is that uh, Russia is using the same tactics everywhere. They have countless shells, and they are uh, shelling permanently. They are not getting to a contact fight because they are afraid. As animals, they have a sense of fright, and they are afraid to fight. They are using artillery, and they are shooting artillery at every hour moment. Thank you. And on the subject of Russia having unlimited artillery shells, do you get the impression that the the attack, the use of HIMARS and Western MLRS to um, eliminate Russian supply depots and logistical loads, do you get the impression that that is degrading uh, their ability to put the same I volume do. of artillery rounds down, down range? I do get the impression because... Uh... Uh, on a point where they were shelling very intensively, we hear them shelling daily two or three times. They were uh, actually permanently shelling at some points uh, 
where there were our trenches. Now uh, the fire is less intensive and uh, HIMARS has already shown itself. You know, but uh, I would repeat, it is not fa it's far not enough for us to uh, stop and counterattack them. Absolutely, and that's something that we can do, right, to work on our politicians to send more and more of these systems. Back to you, Axel. Yeah, thank you, Francis, for that. And uh, by the way, uh, this is exactly the point we were leading up to. We've heard this many times over both uh, Ben Hodges, General Ben Hodges, as well as General Mick Ryan, have stated here on our space in recent weeks that the key to the logistics of winning and uh, creating a counter-offensive uh, is supporting the troops with a prop, I mean, a serious amount of infantry fighting vehicles. Uh, very good friend to the program, Colonel John Spencer, has highlighted how important it is to get the troops close enough to the enemy and have yes. IFVs going alongside infantry into situations where they have to fight. And you cannot do this without them. How do you see the situation? How many IFVs would the Ukrainian forces need just in those sectors you know? Armored cars? You know, uh, we need light armored cars for our specifics to move the squads. We cannot use a heavy um, vehicles, armored vehicles, because they are very often getting, uh, uh, are becoming a target. When Russians see something strange because they have never seen Real armored cars, except uh, their, you know, uh, uh, what they, whatever they have, uh, they're targeting when they he see something strange. We need uh, really small mobile uh, armored cars to move our squads because we're doing our job very fast, and time really matters. So that's why we need uh, more uh, specific. Uh, uh, armored cars for our groups and generally uh, Ukrainian brigades and infantry need some armored cars for evacuating uh, wounded um, soldiers or evacuating mostly the, what we are also doing civilians from the uh, places where we have heavy shellings and uh, generally the armored vehicles are uh, very much needed on the front line I'm just, I was just wondering, from what you're describing, obviously, I mean, you're looking at uh, this from an SOF perspective, a light infantry perspective. Uh, if I were to compare this to the vehicles which we know in the West, and specifically, I mean, there's a vehicle very well known, the Fennec, which has been developed in recent years to support exactly those kind of operations. And uh, if uh, the German government could be convinced to actually just release it, I think uh, a good 30 of them could be organized very quickly for that matter, because it simply outpaced everything else NATO weapon systems manufacturers have to offer. We should have a little look-see at that. Uh, we have many more questions. I hope you have a little bit of time for us. Yes, yes, time. guys. So, yeah, yeah, yes, you know, we are having some rest, so we can speak now, and uh, you know, I'm very That's pleased right. to answer all the questions that uh, people have, you know, to have the real uh, information of what is going on in Ukraine. That is much appreciated. So then, let's go to Maciej, then Auntie, then Joseph. Maciej. 
Auntie was before me, actually, so if Auntie wants to go, I, I can wait, no problem. Could you okay. please repeat the question? We didn't quite get it. But Auntie needs to speak. Uh, Matthew was too polite as a good Polish journalist. He, uh, he deferred to Auntie. Auntie, please, you're from Finland. You're an artillery, former artillery officer. Uh, sorry, non-commissioned officer, and uh, give a question for the Georgian Legion. Uh, thank you, thank you so much, Axel, and uh, uh, thank you, thank you so much uh, for your service and uh, taking our questions today. Thank you. So, uh, historically, uh, the Russian soldier was always uh, stubborn on the defensive, at least when uh, when on home ground, and. Uh, uh, you have so much uh, combat experience with the uh, Russian soldier of today. So I was wondering if you could uh, enlighten us as to whether or not the... Uh, of course, many of us are thinking about uh, the uh, counter-offensives of uh, Ukrainian armed forces that are uh, coming. Uh, so I was wondering, uh, in your opinion, uh, does the Russian soldier of today have it in himself to stubbornly, stubbornly defend as, as uh, historically uh, he, he was uh, able to? Oh, you know, Russian uh, soldiers, so-called soldiers, because we cannot call them soldiers. So when a soldier has no uh, honor, he's not a soldier anymore. Uh, we all agree on that. So Russian soldiers have very low morale. Russian soldiers are... Uh, Thousands of them are dying daily. That's what I see every day, guys. So I don't think they have enough motivation to stand against uh, Ukrainian counterattack. Thank you so much. Thank you. Machi. Yeah, so so my second question is about Georgia. And... uh... I, being from Poland, I, I completely understand your guys' motivation. Although you're probably uh, exempt, I mean, uh, exemptions, exemptions to the rule. Not everybody will fight uh, on a foreign soil, uh, soil for its country. But how the activities of the Georgian Legion from 2014 are treated inside of Georgia? I, are they inspiring to people? Do people uh, do you have support of the Georgian people? Do people see an inspiration to uh, maybe in the future just get full independence of Georgia from, from Russian influence and, and Russian occupation? So, so if you can speak to that, I'll, I'll be really interested. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Okay, guys, let's divide Georgian government and Georgian people into two different, uh, totally different uh, spaces. Georgian uh, people, we have 100% of the support of Georgian people. We feel ourselves ambassadors of Georgia in Ukraine. And uh, we are uh, here representing uh, um, not only interests of Ukraine, but also interests of Georgia, because Ukraine and Georgia are strategical partners. Uh, we have 100% of the support of Georgian people, and we have minus 100% support of Georgian government that is totally pro-Russian. Georgian government does everything to disturb 
our soldiers when they're getting back to their families. Georgian government does everything to uh, ruin what has been uh, what uh, has been built in Georgia during the uh, presidency of Saakashvili. So, unfortunately, today we have a pro-Russian government that uh, disturbs uh, uh, everybody who fights for Ukraine. So, 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 follow-up question quickly: What type of things uh, a person who fought in the Georgian Legion and go back, go, goes back to Georgia can face from from the government? Is okay, so they are. Please, please go on. Yes. Interrogate. They, uh, our guys were uh, are always interrogated with uh, interviewed by uh, special uh, services in Georgia. Uh, they're asking why they're going to support Ukraine. Actually, according to the Georgian law, they can do nothing and they cannot harm any of our soldiers. But illegally, they are uh, permanently uh, inviting uh, family members to uh, interview, to be interviewed by police or special services. Or, uh, for example, uh, me, when I'm entering Georgia, they make me wait to go through the customs for at least four or five hours. Uh, as a citizen of Georgia, it takes five minutes. So they are uh, themselves afraid of fighters for freedom because they are pro-Russians and their whole ideology is pro-Russian. So it's just like harassment to make your make your life difficult and make uh, you know that they they are observing you, right? Oh, you know the thing is that Georgian Legion fighters today are fighting on different front lines. It's Georgian front line, we are facing the aggression of pro-Russian government in Georgia. We are facing discreditation and, you know, permanent attacks by Russia. And we are fighting Russia, uh, Russians in Ukraine. So uh, we, we have different, uh, we have several front lines, actually. But with um, Ukraine, yeah, and, uh, and Georgia do you will think it, it will be hard for you if the government doesn't change? Uh, or maybe the other question should be: What's your what's your take on on the future of Georgia? How it depends on what will happen in Ukraine. If Ukraine will be successful in reclaiming its territory, uh, will that affect the future of Georgia and and, and maybe the gov- the change of government? You know, I think uh, there are elections soon in Georgia. Generally, as I mentioned before, guys, from the very beginning, all my family members are fighting against uh, Russian invasion, Russian aggression in Georgia. My sister is one of the political leaders uh, of opposition. She is a parliament member of Georgia. So, uh, you know, I hope next elections will show the real will of Georgian people and the Russian government will be defeated at, at last. All right, for that we go to Joseph and then Nightline. Hey, thanks very much for taking the time to speak with us on the Maria Report. Uh, We really appreciate it. And uh, my question to you would be, uh, in terms of uh, other volunteer units that have uh, come into the country, uh, either uh, since the uh, 2014 invasion or since the February 24th uh, large-scale invasion, 
Uh, have you worked with other volunteer units? Uh, and, you know, what do you think about uh, any of the units you've worked with? Uh, thanks. There are different units, but uh, as I said, Georgian Legion is uh, the biggest foreign formation. There are small formations, probably. They say there are uh, Belarusians also, but uh, to say the truth, I have not seen them myself. So I cannot say anything about them or about... Uh, they appeared after uh, 24th of February. So, uh, you know, the specifics of Georgian Legion is that most of the foreigners who are coming here are first applying to Georgian Legion. And among uh, the soldiers who are choosing the most experienced and uh, combat experienced guys. So uh, we rec recommend all the others to go to the International Legion that was just created uh, after the February. Gotcha. And in terms of, uh, like, uh, I guess, knowledge and, and uh, of, of weapon systems, right? I mean, you, you're getting volunteers from so many different backgrounds. Um, are you able to get new weapon systems? I mean, speaking broadly, we don't have to get into specifics, but are you able to incorporate, use that training that you're getting from all those different backgrounds and incorporate new weapon systems relatively easily? Or has it been uh, a challenge to use these uh, new weapon systems coming into Ukraine since the full-scale invasion? Uh, no, for example, Georgian soldiers are already aware of those systems because uh, the Georgian army more or less evaluated, uh, evolved faster. So... Uh, we had uh, previously a lot of uh, uh, NATO instructors. So guys coming from Georgia are more, more, more experienced. Uh, so the combination generally of experiences creates Georgian Legion. Uh, for example, working with Javelins and uh, NLOs, uh, most of the guys already worked with them. So we did not need any instructions about that. We were instructing uh, other battalions. So, you know, most of the guys uh, are aware of new systems that are delivered to Ukraine. Thank you. Thank you very much. Before we go on tonight's slide, uh, Mamuka, I want to ask you something. Um, over the past two weeks, we've seen uh, Russia do what Russia does, terror bombings with yes. cruise missiles of cities far beyond the front lines. And then in the last few days, um, those, you know, videos of, of torture of Ukrainian POWs by the Russians. We don't have to go into the details, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, as well yes. as the shelling of the POW camp at Olenivka. What's your response to that? What do you think when you see that? Uh, all the uh, hiring officers who were giving uh, the orders to do that will be liquidated by Georgian Legion as the guy who on a video tortures the Ukrainian soldier. Uh, that's our uh, main uh, aim now, and uh, we're going to finish it. The thing is that Russia does all his history, its history is the same what it does in Ukraine. Uh, Russia just uh, does not understand that it does not work on the brave people. Uh, the psychological uh, uh, pressure that they're trying to spread it's far uh, not the fright that they're causing. They're causing uh, mm, lost. anger. Anger. That's uh, they're causing the anger of Ukrainian people. They're causing the anger of our professionals. 
and we are targeting each of them who are killing civilians, who are killing women and children, and who are torturing our soldiers. And what's the protocol, uh, Mamuka? No, if a Russian officer surrenders um, and is captured and you know taken for interrogation, how do you integrate with the Zisu and Sibu um, after you know you've you've you've, you've taken one? Oh, uh, you know, uh, every Russian captive is uh, uh, kept according to the international laws. So uh, I, I would repeat that we are not Russians to do the same what they're doing. There is a very big difference. There is a very big mental difference and there, there is a very big difference in our hearts. We are different people. Thank you, Mamuka. Um, Alex Kertelli. question, but before we go to Alex, uh -huh. Alex, please hold off for one second. One question. Mamuka, the, the idea was to find out how you integrate with the ZSU and the SBU of the Ukrainians, because those, if you capture a Russian officer, that is obviously a valuable source of information. And that is something which is absolutely necessary. You are the front oh, okay. line. You we are, are the, you're the ones who are finding the right kind of guys. How are these interrogations being done? How do you interact with the Ukrainian armed forces? Okay, well, we are a part of the military intelligence of Ukraine. We are officially contractors uh, of the military intelligence. So uh, we have all the information. Uh, and uh, we share the information that we have with Ukrainian armed forces also. So we have an information exchange permanently. I think this is a very important point that most people have completely failed to reconcile and accept that the integration of the Georgian Legion into what is the security apparatus, into the military intelligence and intelligence gathering is a, a vital part of how Ukraine yes. actually acts. Thank you. And with that, we go to Alex Kaftelli because he is a fellow Georgian. Salian Miamar Ebaro, Chemitana Mamulebia, said Mamma Sadib Zuyan. Died seven Sakartolos, the Ukrainis Tausu. Madova did the guy hard. I just, uh, uh, I'll say in English my uh, my question, but uh, I I thank Mamuka for uh, for fighting on behalf of uh, Georgians and Ukrainians and supporting freedom of uh, Ukraine and Georgia. And my question is, um, have you, uh, I, I understand that uh, w when you are on a mission, there is very limited uh, ability to have a um, different uh, weapon with you. Have you used at all these uh, switchblade drones? Um, are they enough? Uh, have they been useful? I, I heard that you need mortars um, uh, but um, like, like the question would be about switchblades and uh, mm -hmm. 
And uh, any hope for mortars like who, like is this uh, Minister of Defense that's working on it or like how, how is it oh, going? There is some amount of switchblades received by Ukrainians. There are special operators of those drones. We do not use them because we have some other specifics. We do not use that kind of drones. But the thing is that I have heard they are very limited. I mean, uh, we received uh, a few of them. They are very effective, they are highly effective, but uh, we don't have enough of them to really show its, its efficiency on a front line. And about mortars, uh, like how, uh, what's the hope? Because here we hear about uh, high Mars, obviously they are most expensive and uh, very important, probably about some, uh, you know, self-propelled howitzers but uh, almost never hear about like uh, stuff that people in the field use, like mortars. No, just speaking about the specifics that we are doing and what we need. Generally, of course, better than 50 mortars, we need one uh, MLRS systems, you know, system. It will be a lot more efficient. But the thing is that uh, our operators cannot work with MLRS. There are armed forces of Ukraine who are, uh, giving us artillery support with uh, those guys. But the thing is that for our specifics and specific job, we need mortars to support our squads. That's it. But of course, uh, HIMARS is more effective and uh, more in need right now. Thank you. Thank you. Before we move on, what kind of drones would you be needing? Because... Uh... Uh, Nuria Aid, the charity which we support here at Nuria Report, has more recently worked very closely with the Ukrainian Armed Forces and Eda Rasitka to develop onwards existing very, very smart drones to become very effective. So we're always interested in drones that we can learn something from each other and share. You know, uh, we uh, have not had really good quality drones, but the drones that we are using are I would not say that they are enough for us. We have some drones with uh, thermal vision and night vision that are uh, efficient right now for our squads, but we need more uh, high-quality drones with better cameras. And, uh, you know, if anybody is interested, I can say models uh, that we need right now. Of course. But, um, tell us what kind of specifications you are looking for and what these uh, drones are supposed to do for you. Um, we, will, we, will, we can share the list because it's very, it's very important for OPSEC not to share the exact models because the Russians, they, they can tune in and, and adjust their, their yeah. anti-drone systems in order to, to intercept. Don't worry, we, we know how this goes. And uh, we work very closely with, um, um, with the Ukrainian armed forces to get them the right kind of drone. So we do understand this. But that's what I'm saying. Maybe you can tell us what kind of um, jobs your drones have to actually deal with. Uh, we are mo most of the teams are working at night. So we need uh, drones with thermal vision, with double uh, thermal and night vision cameras. Do they need to be able to drop ordnance, or are they just for scouting? Oh, well, you know, there are special devices that can be adjusted to any drone to drop it. 
So we need drones and uh, uh, there are technicians that are doing uh, those accessories themselves. Okay. I think we should get you in touch with, with uh, someone we know. Uh, in the meantime, right. let's move on to Ian. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, regarding the, the Georgian elections, and we've heard on this space from you know many people from Georgia regarding the disparity between the population, um, the civilians, and their government in, in, in terms of support for Russia. And how confident are you that the upcoming elections are going to be uh, free and fair? And um, and uh, if there's any uh, you know concern about that when uh, the elections are over, um, what do you think the response will be? So far, uh, Georgian government has falsificated uh, a lot of uh, prior um, elections. So. I'm not sure how fair is going to be the next one, but we have to, with the help of Western specialists, we have to ensure and uh, make uh, Georgian uh, elections as uh, uh, clear for everybody as possible. Georgia has a lot of political um, prisoners right now, including ex-president of Georgia. So... Unfortunately, uh, Georgia is going very wrong way, and Russia is helping that wrong way. Uh, you know, well, the only thing I can say that uh, Georgian people were always fighting for its freedom, and uh, Georgian people will never give up to pro-Russian government. That's what I hope. Well, you said it, um, I think I chimed in before, that... Uh, with Ukraine free and Russia bankrupt, nobody can fund the pro-Russian yes. party in Georgia. Exactly, exactly. Russia is uh, uh, spending huge money to falsificate elections in Georgia. Uh, Georgia is a strategic uh, center of Caucasia, and Russia needs uh, it under control. So uh, it spends a lot of money on Georgian election to interrogate and to falsificate it. It's like in Moldavia, you know, or in Transnistria, yes. to be exact. Um, when the sheriff, the local sheriff, runs out of money, the marshal comes to town. Yes, yes, exactly. So, we have another regular listener, uh, Ralph. Uh, he's from Azerbaijan, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, hi, uh, good evening. Mugi Salnebit Mambuka Akshan Fair and Salam Aleikum from Azerbaijan. Uh, Hello, my uh, several times we discussed that about uh, Georgia. I'm not expert of uh, Georgian politics. For me, Georgian people are brother and sister. We are close friends countries. I think that uh, important release, uh, great leader, uh, Mihail Saakashvili. Uh, it's, I have a question, is uh, Mamuka. Uh, 
I saw your recent uh, interview many months ago, I think that's in Fox News, and you are also good English uh, speak, you are freely speaking in English. Uh, yes. I have a quick question is, um, what do you think about that, about uh, land lease uh, law by uh, resolution by U US Congress? Because uh, land lease law, I mean, uh, adopted uh, since World War II, I think that is a historical uh, resolution. And what do you think about that uh, moral uh, and uh, physical capability of uh, Ukrainian army? I, we know that Ukrainian army is very high capable. Uh, second uh, question is, I saw that a lot of YouTube uh, video and uh, uh, I think that famous Ukrainian uh, blogger uh, Vladimir Zolkin I think that he's regular uh, talking with uh, Russian hostages and uh, I mean uh, I mean war prisoner and talking with families it's very low uh, moral uh, I mean families it doesn't care I mean his uh, children your kids your uh, It, I mean, husband uh, insight yes. in Ukraine. What do you think about that? Uh, thank you. Okay, well, first of all about land lease. It was really historical happening. Uh, and for Ukrainians, it was a very important decision. For Ukraine, it was a matter of uh, hundreds and thousands of lives. Uh, and we really appreciate from United States that... Uh, The land lease was, was uh, uh, is given to Ukraine, uh, and uh, I'm sure that every Ukrainian appreciates it. So we are just waiting to start it work uh, about uh, uh, Russian prisoners and captives that is interviewed by Zolkin. I know the uh, journalist himself uh, very closely. The thing is that, as you have seen from many interviews of. Uh, war prisoners, Russian war criminals, uh, their families don't even care about them. Even wives don't want to speak uh, live with their husbands when uh, they're calling their wives. So, you know, it's uh, the mentality of Russian people. So uh, the only thing and conclusion out of that, uh, what we have to do is that they don't care about their soldiers. What we, why would they care about our soldiers, our children or women raped and killed in the streets? That's a, more, uh, that's a, a real face of Russian people. Also, I have I have a second. That uh, sorry for interrupt. I have been proud that we are Caucasus nation in Georgia, Azerbaijan, and Kazakhs, former Soviet Republic, uh, supporting other support Ukraine, and also Azerbaijan is also fighting uh, inside Ukraine. Recently, we are far well with uh, Karim Gulamov, it's other famous Ukrainian Azerbaijani uh, television presenter, and Azerbaijanian also with. A Georgian diaspora in Ukraine uh, very support Azerbaijan, uh, Ukraine and I have a very appreciated talking with you in Mamuka. Thanks for conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you very much my friend. Um, I've got a quick question. question. We have... 
Axel, sorry. Run through it. I, I, I just have one because it was no, kind of based on, on similar things that just got brought up. Um, a friend of the space, uh, a former British Army soldier, asks one more thing about Russian surrendering. When they surrender, do you see many surrender? And do you see them surrendering individually or in groups? Hello? Yeah, loud and clear. Uh, yeah, you know, um, we have seen them um, uh, taking white flags as uh, one by one and uh, units uh, all together. Uh, for example, uh, in uh, <coughs> uh, uh, South, uh, there was uh, even uh, the happening that Russian uh, tank operators uh, got out of the tanks and did not know which way to go to give up uh, to Ukrainian soldiers. So <clears throat> they uh, went to the civilian population, gave their weapon and left three tanks. So those civilians kept them for several days until Ukrainian armed forces came and took them. So uh, deserting from Russian army is very common because of the very low morale and the lack of vodka, probably. Yeah, I mean, if they could get some chacha, right, that'd be a whole different story. Um, right, let's go on to Raver. Thank you very much, Mamuka. Let's go on to Raver and then Imperius and JJ. Raver. Okay. Hey, thank you. Uh, I logged on specifically to drop a quick comment, then I got to get back to family time. To the Georgian Legion from a, a very dedicated fella, feed the wolves. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Raver. Imperious. Uh, so, growing up with, with Russia as a, a neighbor um, probably gives you a, a very uh, clear perspective of how they behave and, and act. Uh, what would you say to sort of the fence sitters in the West and these people uh, we have in the news media who sort of uh, like to play both sides um, to sort of okay, shake, you know, shake the illusion they, from there. If they want my recommendation, you know, and uh, just uh, objective or, you know, reasons why uh, we're not friends with Russians. Russians have different mentality. They raise their children to kill people and uh, to kill its neighbor. So that's the difference. And uh, I would tell them that, guys, just open your eyes and see uh, the real uh, difference between human beings and Russians. I actually had a question for Mamuka. Um, Ukrainian memes, if you just put up your hand, um, we'll go to JJ and then we'll go straight to you, okay? Uh, just okay, so hard to put a plus down, down the bottom. No no worries, just, just keep in the queue. So, um, all up for it. Um, <laughs> thank you, Mamuka. Uh, JJ. Thanks, Doman, and um, thanks, Mamuka, for being here today. Um, I'm paraphrasing you from a few minutes ago. You said terror tactics do not work on brave people. 
Would you give us an example where you saw um, these horrific tactics backfire almost immediately? We um, talk about instant karma. Um, so I'm wondering if there was a situation on the ground um, or even in terms of information warfare where you just saw it backfire right away. Oh, you know, we're daily. I cannot give <clears throat> just one example. I can tell you that we're doing it daily. And uh, an example of bravery is Ukrainian people today. And it is an uh, example for everybody to see uh, how <clears throat> uh, to fight against terrorism. <clears throat> because Ukraine today is the, probably <clears throat> only country that physically <clears throat> uh, fight, fights against terrorism with the help, of course, with, Russian, uh, with uh, Western allies. Thank you, Mamuka. Uh, Liv Faust, die young. So, sorry, sorry for uh, uh, skirting the... Uh, no worries, it's the first time uh, for everyone. Okay, yeah, no, uh, my big question for Mamuka was, first of all, thank you for everything that you are doing. Um, thank we, you, guys. Ab absurdly proud of the effort you guys are putting forward and the fact that you guys are being super transparent. You, you are very open uh you give feedback to where donations are going and, and what's being purchased um it makes it a lot easier to to want to support uh someone that, that you know is is contributing those things to to a good thing so just god bless you guys but uh my real question was when are you going to share the kachapuri recipe <laughs> okay we're going to do it soon guys as soon as we have possibility to do that because it's quite difficult to do in a place where we are now so whenever we are at a place where we can cook something, we will definitely do that. God bless you guys. Thank you. We did hear. Uh, and uh, Goblin Borscht, what are the rules? Yeah. The rules are the rules are that there is a bit of a funding target to be met, right? Yes. Hello, Amuka. Thank you for, oh. as he said, everything uh, that you guys are doing uh, out there. Uh, yeah, hundred thousand. Uh, dollars is what we need. Uh, we already have a oh, eighty-eight thousand, so we need eleven thousand to go. Um, yeah. So donate to the Georgian Legion so we can get that egg boat that we all crave. Um, but yeah, I do have a question for you. Um, do you guys ever get the time to just kind of relax and browse our memes that we we push out uh, to try to support you guys? Oh, rarely we have a time uh, to do that, you know, because uh, actually we are permanently on a, uh, um, on the east of Ukraine, and uh, it's quite difficult to, you know, coordinate all the squads because we have to do it daily, and uh, we have a lack of time, of course. <clears throat> Soon enough, I would say. Soon enough. The time well, will come. Well, yeah. I hope that you do, you know, eventually get to kick back and look at some of the based memes we've made for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. So, Sojo, do we get a Persian question? <laughs> Mic check. That Sounds good. good. so loud and clear. It is astonishing. Oh, goodness. Right on point. For a change. Um... 
I'm, I'm sorry. I think Ferlaine, she was before me. I, I will cede my, 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 my time to Ferlaine. I'd like to ask Ferlaine something else. Ferlaine embedded here. Sojo, <laughs> now that we have your audio, please go. Ferlaine will come with us in a sec. <laughs> okay, thank you. Oh, um, thank you so much um, um, to you and all your compatriots um, fighting in Ukraine. Um, I, my, my, my question is, a very simple and, and rather general. Um, how do you? Um, what is your opinion of of uh, the uh, capabilities of the Russian forces uh, of which you have uh, encountered, and and how would you compare that to the Ukrainian forces which you work with? Thank you. Oh, I think I have uh, uh, somebody already gave us the question. Okay, I'll, I'll uh, uh, um, say it again. You know, the difference, uh, do, first of all, Russia made a big mistake uh, starting a full-scale war with uh, Ukraine because Ukraine uh, has uh, eight years experienced soldiers on the front line. It's not just uh, newly formed Russian army uh, who had no experience at all actually they did not uh, from the day one they did not know what they were doing on a battlefield the thing is that they are more than us uh, but they are less motivated and uh, the only thing that motivates them unfortunately in the 21st century we have to say it, the only thing that motivates that, them is to steal something or to rape somebody that's the only thing that he, by what Russian soldier is motivated. So uh, we are giving them enough help not to think about. Thank you so much. <clears throat> my, my sincere apologies. I was uh, distracted by a neighbor for some time um, and I haven't been able to hear everything. Um, usually when, um, when people come into the space to, to speak, who are on the ground, on the front lines in Ukraine, um, I like to, to, to say this. I understand in your case that you're fighting for Ukraine and you're fighting for a free Georgia, free from the influences of Russia. Um, but I would like to thank you personally for also fighting for me and for my daughters. Thank you very thank much. You. Um, yeah, good evening, Mamuka. Uh, thank, thank you so very much for joining the space today. It's a, an honor to listen to you and to know that uh, Georgian Legion is among us always. I mean, uh, the only question I have uh, right now is it's your fifth time fighting uh, Russian imperialism on such a scale. <laughs> Technically, uh, yeah, and it's uh, it's just surreal, I suppose. But uh, what helps you to uh, like build that cohesion within the unit where volunteers have such a like West uh, background? And uh, what is the most important lessons learned from the previous battles with Russia that you are trying to share with the fellows? You know, I, I, I would like to say that my first experience was uh, 
just experience with the Russians uh, was 27 broken bones in uh, captivity when I was 14. So after that, I realized that uh, this is the evil that has to be defeated. And that's what my father was teaching me all his life. And he was uh, uh, defending Ukraine for three years when he was 70 years old. Uh, you know, the uh, ideology helps us. Uh, the ideology that uh, we want to help somebody and we have a possibility to help somebody. Many people uh, has no possibility during all uh, their lives to uh, help somebody. So we have this possibility and we have to use it. Thank you so very much. This is why this space exists. I said, I don't know whether you heard it. This is, by the way, why this space exists. We have a possibility to help and we must do it. Yes, if, if I may add. That it's, a unique, it's a unique chance to save lives and uh, to do something good. And uh, if you can participate in this fight, you have to be happy. This is the concept of the happy warrior, which transcends time, and it has existed in many different cultures. You must be happy to go to war for the righteous cause. Thank you, Vlad. By the way, uh, Mamuka, have you adopted a pet? Ukrainian one. I'm not saying about a wolf, but do you, do you have that? You know, I could not do that because I'm permanently moving and it's very difficult to have a pet. I tried to have some small pet. I don't know, some insect maybe, you know, but it was quite difficult to keep it. So I refused the idea to have it. So I'm still alone. Yeah, we do have we do have two thousand Shiba Inus, so so they are. No, we have company. pets. I mean, uh, the working dogs that are working with explosives, but you know, they're not mine. They're uh, common for everybody. It's just I remember the 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 unit whom I'm speaking with uh, when they were uh, retrieving from Bizhne. Uh, they found Husky, they called her Contusiona. Well, simply because she was Contusiona. Uh, actually, uh, there was problem with her, uh, like, uh, with her hearing, and she, she was uh, basically silent, uh, so she had to have, like, medical care. But for, like, solid month, uh, she was with the unit, and then they like brought her to uh, the family of one of the soldiers and she's right now the permanent uh, soldier within the unit, like an attachment. And every settlement the guys came to, they, I don't know how, but they managed to find a cat who was either like lost, stray or abandoned. And they brought it to the HQ. So at some point, the guys were just laughing. We have another legion of uh, our cats that's going to be like, it's going to be a Iraqi cat. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah actually, <laughs> we had several refugee dogs from Bucha. We were the first to enter Bucha after the occupation. So uh, several dogs just followed us. And they, they were really very good breeds of different uh, you know, dogs, including Husky. So we found them families and uh, gave them to... 
different owners that are growing up now. That's absolutely amazing. And I know that the, the, the biggest probably problem uh, in those, those who were trying to save their pets was their size. And especially a lot of alibis were left simply because they were too big enough yeah. to, to be carried. So, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Mumuka, you said that you were the first unit to go into Bucha after the occupiers left it. Yes. How was that? What still uh, haunts you from that? It was the feeling, uh, you know, it is the worst feeling for the uh, soldier to see that you could not save lives. That was the feeling that was following us uh, for several weeks, you know, because we have seen uh, uh, 10-year-old kids raped and killed uh, in flats. So, unfortunately, the only feeling we had is that we could not uh, save as many lives as we, 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 we wanted to. What kind of additional determination does that rise in Georgian legionnaires? You know, we we all have the, the, the only motivation, you know, to help Ukrainians. The idea of Georgian Legion is generally to help people. We are not created to kill people. We are uh, uh, Georgian Legion is made to save lives. That's the main idea. So that's what uh, makes us move and go on. The reason why Domen is asking is that we know from a reporter, a friend of ours, who has been going from Kiev because she is originally from Irpin. And she was one of the first journalists who went, um, but in this case, someone who actually came from there, who went back into Irpin and looked at what happened there. Now, Irpin, Borodyanka, Bucha all had the same experience in one yes. or the other way. But Irpin, in the Green Valley apartment block, also, right at the crossing over the bridge where the Bucha rivers yes. had the headquarters. And there was a guy with a call sign, and we tried to track this. The guy with the call sign Vitebsk. He was so feared even by the Russian troops on site. And she tried to trace him. She tried to trace what he had done and we had got where he had gone. He's one of the very few who has escaped judgment because we understand that not only did this unit or this one specific unit manage to get medals from the midget Tsar, but also that a large part of the unit lost their lives in the forests fighting the 93rd west of Izium. But this one person, Vitebsk, has not been found. He needs to be met in the battlefield. I hope he actually stands trial. 
If you ever find him, please make sure that he comes back alive and stands trial. Oh, uh, you know, uh, actually, at uh, emissions, me and all the guys are very cold, and uh, they have to work. So I would say that we know all the names, and we know everything about those guys. And no, none of them uh, will live long. Is um, General Zaluzhny and President Zelensky authorized them to be hunted down? They should be hunted down. If only they had happier things to talk about. Yeah. yeah you, you know, there are some things even at war that sometimes uh, make you think more than speak. Yeah, we have a journalist on our space. I don't know, Roman, remind me, was that was that in the first week of April? Probably, or second week of April. The, the, the first time she was on was um, literally the, the next day after the first time she visited, and she was in yeah. um, as the first civilian, pretty much. She was in a, in a monotonous, catatonic state, and simply explained what she had seen, what she had photographed, and that she found people who couldn't speak, who couldn't talk, who couldn't find a way to express themselves, people who were hiding still under the table in their apartment. This must not stand. I'm sure there will be worse to find to be found surrounding her son because they had more time. This must not stand. And I thank you and all your uh, compatriots, your serious, happy warriors, that you're fighting for the freedom of the Ukrainians as well as the freedom of Georgians and essentially for all of us. You're fighting for justice. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. And uh, we're going to win this war. And we're going to do it very Sure. And I want to pick up on the last thing that Axel said real quick. Now, when Ukraine is freed, what are your plans? I think I know what your plans are, probably similar to the Belarusian regiments. Yeah. What are your plans? You know, we're going uh, to fight anywhere where, uh, we see Russian aggression, anywhere in the world. Georgian Legion became a uh, uh, most professional uh, group of war veterans and uh, none of them is going to stop and tolerate Russian aggression anywhere in the world. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, we have questions, if you don't mind, uh, from Francis and then yet again from uh, Ukraine means for NATO teams. Manuka, you spoke about some of the systems that are needed, more HIMARS, more MLRS, um, mortars, and we advocate for all of those things in this space. A another thing that we advocate for is to enable uh, the Ukrainian Air Force to transition to Western fixed-wing aircraft, F-16, Vipers, F-15, Strike Eagles, um, to include 
obviously the aviators, logistics, um, flight engineering, and everything. Um, we want to, to see uh, Ukraine to be able to uh, interdict all of the terror cruise missile attacks that, that enter their airspace and to dominate air superiority and close air support. So I want to ask you about the close air support picture as you see it now. Um, <laughs> what is your the Legion's experience of the close air support? Um, are the Russian SU-25s and attack helicopters causing trouble for you? Um, what does that picture look like? Just a second. Actually, um, Georgian Legion was the uh, first unit who met Russians uh, in uh, Hostomel Airport. So uh, we were the first to face uh, the newest KA-52s bombing us. About 30 of them were bombing us for uh, probably a whole day. And the thing is that, you know, we could not counteract just because we had, we were not prepared for that. And uh, I'm not big specialist in uh, fighting jets or uh, aviation system. Aircraft. Uh, aircraft, so aviation systems. But, you know, that was our first experience. Uh, how uh, newest... Uh, uh, fighting helicopters were bombing us. Thank you, and Axel, back to you. Yeah, my question goes in the same direction. Who, uh, currently, uh, I take it the um, helicopter uh, squads of the uh, ZSU are transporting you, right? Because you don't operate your own systems. No, we, we, we have no uh, support. We have some different specifics, and uh, we have that's why we have our own artillery support, our own artillery groups, uh, mortar groups that are supporting our uh, special operators. I appreciate this. I was talking about transport. I apologize. Maybe my audio was bad. Uh, this was about uh, rotor in, in this case that you would have, um, say, transport helicopters from the Ukrainian armed forces, correct? No, we don't use them ourselves. No, no. As an infantry, okay. we don't use them. All right. That's okay. Uh, we would have uh, thought that, given the fact that you've been widespread out across the country in the front face, that one would be extending the courtesy to you to transport you from A to B. But okay. All right. Uh, we'll go to uh, our friend, the Liv Faust Dayang. Hey, Momoka. Um, again, thank you for handling the space. So, my um, basis of my question is really. Um, when it comes down to the, um, and I know this question has been asked, so I'm going to try and frame it differently. The equipment that you guys are using, um, so obviously the NAFO is trying to support um, what it is the Georgian Legion needs most. But when it comes down to basic equipment, what would you say the, the greatest shortfalling for the average fighter is? And I don't mean like a drone or, or anti-drone guns, but like what do you think the average fighter needs most is it medical kit is it tactical gear um we've seen a number of videos of georgian leader fight georgian legion fighters um that are very well equipped um and and to some extent i kind of want to figure out how much that is because they had to spend their own money to buy that gear um and do you think most fighters are are decently equipped or is there a need for tactical gear uh, like like plate carriers, like um, magazine 
um, holders, belts, et cetera. Um, so the, I, I, to wrap this up, um, if there was a specific tactical item that the majority of the Georgian Legion needs, what would it uh, be? Of course, the, there are some uh, things that are missing. So uh, mostly we need uh, night vision uh, goggles. That's very important because we don't have enough for all squads. Ballistic airphones are also uh, in need right now. Uh, I think that's 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 the most important what what we need now. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mamuka. Um, I want to ask another question from another British Army veteran. Uh, who can't come to the mic right now, um, who, first of all, he wants to say, you know, how he, how he realizes how tragic it is being asked to relive those um, horrific moments of, of entering Bucha. Uh, he remembers when he was 18 and was picking up bodies of eight-year-old kids blown up in, when, when he was deployed. Um, yes. But he has, a very, he has a very kind of technical question for you. Uh, very soldier to soldier kind of question. Yes. Um, what what DPM pattern do you prefer in your uniforms? Um, will you change the DPM when you get to you know October November? And how are the boots that you use in the summer set up different from the ch- set set up for the change of temperature from summer to winter? Oh, so uh, you mean type of uniform? Uh, yes. Me. Uh, we mostly use multicam or woodland, and and you know winter summer change for for uniforms and boots. Oh, that's what we uh, use uh, in summer. I mean, at this season, we are mostly using multicam. And you're fully ready for the change of season to to colder times. I, I trust. Oh, of course, we are not ready because you are... we are not even thinking about it because we're going and we will finish this war. Before the winter. That's the spirit. Thank you. JJ. Thanks. Hi, Mamuka again. Um, You mentioned that there are two types of warfare being fought. And I'm curious to know how much of a difference you would say that modern information warfare has made in your success and Ukraine's successes. And then besides... um, of course, the hugely popular NAFO, which we all know and love and support. <laughs> what other viral social media um, would you say has been particularly effective? Um, Thanks. Aras will, will, will answer the question. Um, uh, the, the, like I mentioned, uh, the situation in Georgia in 2008, uh, Georgia had the fighters that didn't have the informational front, and that's the only thing that lacked at the time to finish Russians. Now that the situation is completely different and the information front lines are just as important. So that's why I wanted to to address each and every one of you listening right now that you are part of this movement. You are part of this operation that involves the informational fronts. So this is why we were able to get these HIMARS systems, you name it, Like whatever stuff we were able to get is because of the informational uh, warfare that was conducted. And and it 
it is just as important as the the war on the front lines because without the needed equipment without the needed support from from NAFO and uh, honestly twitter has been our favorite because facebook uh, facebook is very very um, censoring so even if you try typing georgian legion in facebook there are often cases where you will not be able to find our page and we 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 were stuck on on 25,000 followers on Facebook. And again, Twitter is a completely different situation. Uh, when uh, when we joined the Twitter, our Twitter account started growing exponentially. And in just two months, we have managed to reach 37,000 followers, which has been a huge support to us. Like whenever we managed to, to get some good internet and, and enjoy... Uh, the 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 support that is coming from your side, including including the space that we are doing right now, it's it's just so supporting and motivating. When we receive any donation, big or, big or small, it's not about the money; it's about sending the message to the Russians. And so far, the most effective system to send messages was not Signal, was not Telegram, was 120 millimeter mortars. And we, we have been doing that. With the, when We have just, uh, the commander told me that today we, we have sent all the blue shells that we have signed from from uh, from the NAFO, from, from the guys that wanted to, to send and convey the message to Russians. So... That is why Twitter has been absolutely our favorite platform because of the feedback, because we are able to talk to you right now and get the questions and get the opportunity to answer these questions and get to to motivate one another and just get this stuff done. And it has been proven multiple times from the Ukrainian side, side from the Polish side. We, based on the power of internet, we we, we were able to to fundraise for Bayraktars, Polish side fundraise for Bayraktars, uh, Lithuanians have fundraised for Bayraktars. We, like from the side of Georgian legions, we have been able to to patch the the holes in the in the equipment that is absolutely was crucial. It's it has been amazing, and like like some members of NAFO, they they said. I remember this story about the. The woman that was feeling alone, and uh, when you are alone and you're surrounded by propaganda, you you feel really really detached and and weak. And when the the, the Russian propaganda is immediately attacked by hundreds of Shiba Inus, it's the feeling has been super great. When you when you log into Twitter account and see the 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 the, the creativeness, the videos created by NAFO. It's just super inspiring, and I'm not talking about Georgian Legion alone. The NAFO is supporting other units, which is also very important because the the war is one team, one fight. That is how it is. Which is why it is so important. I mean, we here typically, as you know, we support as Maria Report, we support Maria Aid, but as uh, Yura, our friend and co-founder of the whole shebang, said. The only thing which matters that things arrive in Ukraine. The only thing we want is for you all to have the tools, the kit, the support, the supplies, everything you need. How it gets there and who gets it to win it ultimately does not matter. 
The key thing is those who are friends of Ukraine, who fight for Ukraine, who support freedom, because I can tell you, I'm standing here currently in Tallinn. Dorman is in Denmark. Tallinn is in Ukraine. Francis, God knows where he is at the moment. <laughs> Joseph, <laughs> Joseph is in Arizona. JJ is in the US. Victoria is in Louisiana. Alex is currently, actually, even in Georgia, despite the fact that he's usually in Canada. There's one thing which matters, just in, like in 1939. There must be a global coalition of the willing and those who are willing to help. And that's us. And you are fighting, so we support you. And we really, really appreciate you guys. Tulane. Yeah, I was just thinking that uh, since 2013, when the revolution of dignity started, Ukrainian society started to realize that we really didn't have like army as an institution uh, because our corrupt go- at the time the corrupt government tried and did everything possible and impossible to completely, uh, let's say, destroy whatever was left. But uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, a lot of uh, units had had undergone massive uh, training, even uh, even though uh, still having like Crimea and next, and having uh, east of Ukraine being bombarded and shelled, and there was like Ato, and then we had um, uh, Oos, and all of those. Uh, uh, hostilities happening in Ukraine. Ukrainian army kept evolving, changing, uh, trying to reach interoperability regardless of the circumstances, basically because they knew what's on stake. Um, how would you uh, elaborate uh, the difference in evolution of Ukrainian army, in your opinion, from 40, 18, uh, 2014 to 2022? How do you think, like, the difference in the mindset, philosophy, is it seen or it's uh, it's on the way, but it still needs, uh, like, work on it? Because obviously not everything, uh, like, was taught during those eight years, because that's not a, not a lot of time. But as you mentioned, Georgians uh, had a little bit more training than Ukrainians. But, like, what is your opinion on the changes and evolution of the army overall? You know, no, we had similar questions also during the talk. Um, uh, actually, you know, I have, I, I see very big changes in, in in the Ukrainian army in comparison to 2014. It has evolved, and uh, uh, you know, changes are very clear. Uh, first of all, unfortunately, people soldiers got used to war and uh, at uh, this moment it was very important for ukraine to be ready for war because actually all those years from 2014 we were waiting for full-scale war with russia uh, because russia is unpredictable and uh, uh, i i heard many times that when russia is going to attack us because they were promising it uh, from from 2014 you know and uh, uh, mentally people were ready for the fight uh, about army uh, you know I have seen uh, how it was evolving all this time uh, how guys were getting experienced and uh, today in my opinion uh, 
uh, Ukraine has one of the most experienced, uh, combat experienced armies in the world. Thank you so much. Uh, because here in space, you can actually uh, meet sometimes people who came to Ukraine on different missions and helped to train Ukrainians or train um, like units who were helping Ukrainians to not only reach interoperability, but change their mindset and get used to another doctrines and start being unpredictable. Like including um, their training on urban ops, uh, ETAG, TOP, MDMP, and all of that. So it's uh, like depending on what what day you come, you can actually have the full panel of those people who can share how the training was conducted. And it's um, it's, it's interesting as well to hear your opinion on the matter. So thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, as you said. Uh, it is important that social media is a support for all of this. At the moment, we are the fifth largest space worldwide. Yet again, but then again, we do this every day here. And we do it because it matters. And it's absolutely great that you're here as part of the, our long list of great speakers and people reported from the front lines because that is the support which we try to make sure that we can give through information awareness and making sure that uh, we can bring the support into Ukraine. Joseph. Yeah, I was wondering if you could uh, maybe speak a little bit to, uh, so uh, the, the Legion has been in Ukraine. Oh, sorry. Uh, the, the Legion's been in Ukraine for uh, some time, so I was wondering, um, in terms of like the ties with the local population, um, I mean, have some people uh, developed really strong connections to Ukraine, and, and is it uh, something that uh, gives the Legion, um, you know, s- some uh, I don't know, ability to uh, get, maybe re- have access to resources or uh, people uh, that maybe they need to get in touch with as a result of those connections. Thanks. Um, you know, yeah, Georgian, like when you enter another country, you get to know its traditions and you get to know its people and you inter intermingle. So for the duration the Georgian Legion has been in Ukraine, we we have learned to love their food and we have learned ukraine to to speak ukrainian at least to understand it a bit so that that's 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 how you come to love the country and its brave people and just the braveness of those people is inspiring and there has been connection like like commander said the ukrainians were the only people the only people who who went and and fought in in during the conflict in Abkhazia in Abkhazia so that connection has been already established and we we are feeling it right now and the support has been really really great and i mean if one of your guys just is uh, maybe on the street on you know doing some R&R in Ukraine if if people find out you know he's he's from the Georgian legion is that something that gets an instant reaction from people is that something Absolutely. like the average ukrainian goes by okay thank you absolutely the the patch our patch is blue and yellow with the wolf and the, the, the this has been an absolute like um, favorite of of the, the the of the people of Ukraine except of the kids some some kids get scared by the by the big mean wolf but once they get to know that the, the these big guys with beards they they mean they mean good they they love him thank you very much yes. back to you 
Yeah, let, no, let's go back to our friend Antti from Finland. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, within the past uh, five months, have you noticed a difference or a, cha- a change in the uh, in the kit and the uh, small arms and uh, uh, this kind of equipment that the uh, that the Russians utilize on the battlefield? Has there been an evolution or a deval or a devaluation or something? Oh, no, as I mentioned before, you know we don't see uh, Russians getting better. Uh, you know, I'm at war against Russia for thirty last thirty years. You know, and even in the equipment or morale, they have no improvements at all. So, we, uh, and the, I'm not underestimating them. Uh, I'm very, really very objective. You know, the weapon they used in '90s against Georgia, as I remember when I was 14 years old kid, they're using the same <clears throat> today. So, you know, who. Again, uh, thank you, Russian corruption. Thank you. I was just asking asking that because uh, there's been a lot of information about the uh, that uh, they are actually uh, uh, bringing in uh, older and older equipment, older and older heavier equipment to the to the front lines. So I was just curious if it, that was reflected on uh, mm-hmm. small. Yes, machines. because during this yes those years they were not developing and you know luckily they have what they have okay thank you thank you all righty thank we you have a number of uh yeah. oh, you can you hear me oh yes yes we can okay let me let me uh, get lisa up and in the meantime uh, we have questions more questions from the dms right Yes, and I was just going to ask one. Um, how do you deal with with observation drones that Russians keep sending over your heads? Okay, so the most uh, efficient uh, way to take down Russian drones are Polish air defense uh, systems, Piorun. It's uh, very effective, and uh, that's uh, one of the most needed uh, uh, weapon today. Thank you. And um, how much does Russian electronic warfare impact the operations um, of your unit? You know, uh, Russians, they they have very limited abilities in terms of electronic warfare. The, the, the Our side, we, we, we just, we are just better, better than them in these regards. They all they have are they, they are Orland drones that that are doing reconnaissance. But the the more we get the, the um, Pioran systems and the more we get yeah. anti drone guns, that that they don't have, they have any advantage there. That the only advantage they have is the the, the artillery. In your opinion, um, earlier you said that. Oh, uh, guys, we we have another uh, ten minutes, so. Perfect. Just just one one little question, and we go to Lisa. Um, earlier, you said you want to wrap up the war by the winter, though you want to think about winter uniforms. Um, what do you, what do you think Ukraine needs? What needs to change? Is it heavy armor, heavy weapons, more artillery, or is it something else? Okay, I'll tell you exactly what Ukraine needs to win the war. It's air defense systems, uh, Patriot MIM one hundred four. And uh, uh, more and more high Mars MLRS systems. 
Well, then it's good that over the weekend, another new package uh, is being taken up by the United States and will be delivered, which should include a couple of these items. Yeah, I hope so, and it's really going to change uh, the situation on a, on a front line. Well then, uh, and with that in mind, I would hope that we can soon enough have you join us yet again. I don't know what the plans will be, and we will be glad to shout out from the rooftops that uh, people need to help support you. I'm sure that uh, Maria Aid, when we advise them yet again that this is a great cause to support, will take this also under advisement. And uh, let's work together that we get the message out. Please keep coming back to our... Um, Thank you very much. The opportunity. Thank you very much. And, uh, you know, I want to say to everybody that we're always ready to answer your, your question, guys. So uh, you're welcome anytime. We can do more conferences and uh, speak about current situation in Ukraine. And we will deliver you more fresh information about Russia. That is, sinc that is sincerely appreciated. If you have the time and if you want to stop by, I don't know whether that is good for you next week or in between. Just give us a ding. You know where to find us. By yes, now, you have you have our details. You know Thank where you. we are. We're not going to go away twenty four seven on this space. Uh, drop by and uh, let's make sure that you have all the materials, all the uh, all the supplies, and all the gear which you need. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We really appreciate uh, your help, and uh, I hope we'll have uh, more time and we'll uh, speak more about uh, Ukraine and uh, generally. What is going on here? Well, we're always here for you. So if you have any input, as soon as the bridges are contested, or if we can see the Ukrainian troops together with you actually taking us on, trust us, this is very dear to our heart. There's many, many people amongst us who want to see Kherson liberated. It will be liberated very soon. This is good news. I know a few people who are currently on the panel who are very keen on that. Thank you. Francis. Thank you, guys.